The text for this morning's worship service is taken from Ephesians 5, the verses 22 through 24. Let's read that once again. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church's body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. After the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 113, the stanzas 1, 2, and 3. The beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, the text speaks about the submission of a woman to a man and the man being the head of the woman. I don't have to tell you this, but... I'm sure you're aware that this is not a popular concept in this day and age. Submission of any kind is resisted by modern man, and especially the submission of a woman to the man. As a matter of fact, the world around us is openly hostile to such a notion and accuses the church of being oppressive to women. Such objections from an unbeliever we can easily dismiss by stating that the world does not submit itself to God's word and does not understand it. But what about us? For there are also objections in our circles to the concept of a wifely subjection and to the headship of a man over the woman. There are those who are embarrassed about this teaching. They see it as an archaic concept, something which may have had its place during the time of Paul, but which no longer applies today. We live in a different culture. And a modern woman no longer acts, dresses, and conducts herself in the same way as in those days. There are others, not as critical perhaps, but who nevertheless have their questions They're not exactly sure what submission means or what headship means. They are confused. They want to do what God tells them in his word, but this seems so impractical and so unrealistic. The text also speaks about the man being the head of the wife. What does that mean? For we know that the head of the body does all the thinking and gives the command to the body. Is that what the wife is now reduced to, to submit to her husband in everything? And must she now then let him do all the thinking and give the commands? What exactly do the scriptures mean? Well, that is what I will preach to you about this morning. I will preach to you about the function of submission and headship in a Christian marriage. Then we will see two things. First of all, the submission of the wife, and secondly, the headship of the husband. I will preach to you about the function of submission and headship in a Christian marriage. First, the submission of the wife, and secondly, the headship of the husband. In the beginning of his letter to the Ephesians, Paul writes about God's plan for his creation. 
He says in the verses 9 through 10, And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. And so it is God's plan to unite all things. Before the fall into sin, everything was perfectly united. All things perfectly fitted together. There was no disharmony. Sin brought an end to all that. And the same thing is true of marriage. When God brought man and woman together, it was a perfect match. They fitted each other like a hand in a glove. They were ideally suited to each other. They were truly united. They were truly one. Sin also brought an end to that. Disharmony resulted. The only way that true unity can be restored, says Paul in his letter to the Ephesians, is through the redemption of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only he can make all things whole again. And throughout his letter he outlines how that has occurred through Christ. For Christ has accomplished all things. He was subject to the Father, and consequently, as he writes in chapter 1, verse 22, God the Father placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. That is what the Father has done through his Son, Jesus Christ. But what does that now mean for the church at Ephesus? What does that mean for us? How does that now function? Well, Paul is quite clear on that. He tells them that they must give thanks. They must give thanks for all that God has done. And how do you show your thanks? Well, you do that in many ways. You show your thanks, for example, as he says just prior to the words of the text, by praying and by singing together. That is how you become united together. He says to them, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, singing must be done in harmony. For any song to have any meaning or any impact, every participant must be singing the same tune and in the right key. And that is the way it is with just a few people singing or a whole congregation singing or an entire choir. It is with that last comment that Paul leads into the idea of submission. He says, submit to one another out of reference for Christ. The dictionary defines submission as yielding to the will or authority of another. You could also use as as synonym to bow to, or to defer to, or to yield to, or to surrender to someone. And note well that this exhortation refers to every member of the church We are to submit to one another. 
So this command does not apply just to the marriage relationship. No, that sentence, that verse introduces a whole section where all kinds of level, levels of responsibility and authority are dealt with. He describes here not only the relationship between a husband and a wife, but also between children and their parents and between slaves and their masters. They are in various kinds of submission to each other. For the Bible teaches that submission is a widespread concept that is most clear from Peter's first letter. He says in 1 Peter 2 verse 13, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. Submission is a very important biblical concept. Actually, it's a secular concept as well. For if it weren't for the concept of submission, of yielding one's will to another, this society could not function. Everyone is expected to submit to the secular authorities in numerous ways. You must obey the laws of the land and those who enforce the law. Everyone knows that if there was no authority in the land, that then there would be chaos. Everyone would do what was right in his own eyes. Submission and authority in every kind of institution is quite normal and expected. For example, the armed forces have all kinds of levels of authority, as do businesses and schools and every other human organization. Nothing would function if there was not a hierarchy of command. Think also of a choir in that respect. No choir could function if everyone did what he liked and when they liked. It would be a cacophony. It would be a mess. For a choir to have any success, you have people with various kinds of function. You have the director, the musicians, the lead singers and the singers. And in such situation, you do not speak about inferior or superior positions. No, everyone knows that the various positions exist because of the different, distinct differences between the peoples and because of the different talents and abilities. You would not expect a male to sing the alto parts or the female to sing the bass. Nor would you expect someone who knows next to nothing about music or who cannot even read music to be the choir director. That is the way it is. Well, that is also the way it is within a marriage. In a marriage, there is first of all submission to one another. It is the kind of submission that is found within the church, between brothers and sisters in the Lord. And brothers and sisters in the Lord, you and I, we have to submit to one another. That's what also what Paul says in Philippians 2, he says, In humility we consider another person better than ourselves. We are there to freely serve each other, to seek the well-being of another person. And that is the kind of submission that we are engaged in, and that is the submission of a general kind. But within that relationship as brother and sister in the Lord... There is also the relationship between husband and wife. In that relationship, the man has responsibility for the wife 
and the wife is given to him, as it says in Genesis, as a helpmate. And so we see that within a marriage there are different roles. In the marriage, the husband is the head of the family. The Lord God has so ordained it. It is not, first of all, Paul who is saying this. He says, women are to submit to their husbands. Many people are critical of Paul because of these words. They call him a woman hater or an anti-feminist. And they dismiss him because he was a single man and thus had no idea what he was talking about. However, Paul is doing nothing else than going back to the time of creation. He is echoing the words of the Lord God himself, which he spoke just after the man and the woman fell into sin. God said at that time to the woman, as we know from Genesis 3, verse 16, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children, and your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. The husband will rule over his wife. That is not something that the world wants to accept. And why is that? Well, basically because this world wants nothing to do with authority and a submission to authority. Oh yes, as I said, various levels of command do exist. But not because of a willing submission. It is done out of necessity, out of prudence, out of practicality. But wherever man can, he will defy all authority. That is in accordance with our old nature. In this world, submission is only adhered to when it can be enforced. Or where a man sees that it is beneficial for himself. But God says, submit to one another out of reference for Christ. What does Christ have to do with this? Well, congregation, Christ is the one who restores all relationships and who maintains them. Christ is the one who shows the way. For he himself is the one who submitted himself to all authority. All authority in heaven, but also all authority on earth. When he was a young boy, he submitted himself to his parents, to the authority that they had. That's what you can read about in Luke 2, verse 51. After his frantic parents found him in the temple talking with the teachers. They were very anxious about him. And then when they found him, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them, it says in that text. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. He was obedient to them. You could also say he submitted to them. For the same word as is used in the text is used there. And the Lord Jesus Christ also submitted himself to all other human authorities. He did so especially at the end of his life. He even allowed himself to be tried and convicted by a human court. In so doing, Christ also submitted himself to his heavenly Father. He did so not because he is inferior to the Father, 
No one would dare say that. For Christ, as one of the three persons in the Trinity, was and is fully and completely God. As he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I and the Father are one. And yet, even though he has that position of equality with the Father, he nevertheless stated in John 5, verse 30, I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, Now I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. The head of Christ is God. What we see here is that there is a division of labor and responsibility within the Trinity. Each person within the Trinity has his own role to play. And the role of the Son is to submit himself to the requirements of the Father. And that was not difficult for him in the least. For what the Father wants, he also wants. There is no conflict of interest between the Father and the Son. The most important way that Christ's submission is shown is the way in which he gave himself up for the church. He gave himself up completely for his bride, for his church, for you and for me. And that is why the text also tells us that we are to submit to one another out of reference for Christ. We revere him for what he has done for us. We revere him because of the great love that he has shown us. We cannot help but respect him for what he has done for us. And he made the ultimate sacrifice for his bride, his church. Now, how does that function exactly within a marriage? Note well that the imperative is used in the text. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And so it is a command. The Lord commands it. And therefore, refusal to be submissive to the husband is rebellion against God himself. The wife must see such submission not as obedient to the husband in the first place, but as obedience to Christ. As Christ was subject to the Father, so a wife must be subject to her husband. In the same way, a wife also has to respect her husband, for a husband also gives himself completely for his bride. At least, that is the way it is supposed to be. For we are to strive for the perfection which Christ himself has displayed. He is the head of the wife. That brings us to the second point. Paul says in Ephesians, verses 15 through 16, in Ephesians 4, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow in all things. We in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. How then exactly does that work within a marriage? How do you get the head working harmoniously together with the body? 
or specifically how does the husband as the head function in relation to his wife? Well, the first consideration is that the head being the command center of the body must initiate the right signals to the body. It is the initiator, the part that leads. Leadership is one of the roles of the head. And that is why you are called the head of something if you are the one who is in charge. In that sense, Christ is called the head of the church. He is the one in charge. He is the leader. Likewise, the husband must also be the head of the wife. But if you want to know what leadership is all about, then once again you have to look to Christ. And then the husband has to imitate him. And how did Christ lead the church? What kind of a leader was he? All of you will agree that when you think of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you don't think of a tyrant. Then you do not think of him as embarking orders at everyone, expecting all and everyone to jump into line. On the contrary, you think of him as a gentle and loving leader who patiently and compassionately deals with his people, his bride. He leads them. But he does that lovingly. He does so in the first place by example. If you want to be a great leader, then you first have to know what it is to be led. You cannot be a leader if first you are not a follower or, if you will, a servant. Christ showed that he certainly knew how to do that. He totally submitted himself to his heavenly Father and he served. He served him and he also came to serve us. He was the perfect servant. And so how does Christ treat his church? Christ defends and preserves his church. He completely sacrifices himself for the church. That's how he leads. There is not a thing that he would not do for his bride. And he gives her freedom. In Christ, the church is given total freedom, freedom from sin, and freedom to become that which the church was intended to become. And now the church can also do what Christ intended for it to do, to experience the gifts of God and to use those gifts in the kingdom of God. And the same thing is true of the woman. A woman is never more free than when she is in submission to her Christian husband as the head, for then she is free to become all that God intended her to become. No doubt you are familiar with the description of God's ideal wife in Proverbs 31. In that passage, you do not see the description of a slave. On the contrary, we see here a wife who is totally free to perform the tasks which are within her own province. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands, it says. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. And many more descriptions are given as to the kinds of things that the wife does. 
She finds great satisfaction in serving her husband and her family and fulfilling their needs. And as a result, she also gains the respect of her children and her husband. She is free to perform the tasks which God has assigned to her. It is in this way that we see submission to the husband as the head to be a positive thing rather than a negative one. It emphasizes what a wife should do rather than what she should not do. And note well that both roles of husband and wife is one of service. That is a concept that this world does not want. They want to be served. And that is why marriages also fall apart. That's why there is such a high divorce rate today. Because people no longer want to serve. We live in a very selfish society. We are selfish ourselves. And therefore God warns us. The scriptures emphasize what a wife should do rather than what she should not do. And that is why it is very important that a husband does not step outside the boundaries which the Lord God has set for him and also that the wife does not step outside of those boundaries. As head of the team, the husband is careful not to neglect or to destroy his wife's abilities or to interfere with her God-given tasks. He must think of her and treat her as a useful, helpful, and wonderful blessing of the Lord. Together, husband and wife go through life, hand in hand. And together they look to Christ as their Savior and protector. And together they agree to submit themselves to the Lord. And only in such submission will they be both blessed. In submission to Christ alone will husband and wife together discover how great it is to be called children of God. Husbands and wives work cooperatively together. Each has his own role within the marriage. It's the husband's role to lead. But if that does not happen within the marriage, then things run stuck. If the husband does not lead, for example, and leaves the upbringing of the children to the wife, if she is the one who is made responsible for the running of the household, then the wife will not respect the husband. And then the children who grow up in such a family will not respect their parents either. For then they do not go in accordance with the way that God has designed marriage. However, someone will say, what if my husband does not fulfill his task in the way that he should? He is either a very passive man who does not like to lead, or he is somewhat of a tyrant and bosses everyone around. How am I then to conduct myself? Well, listen to what Peter says. He says in 1 Peter 3, verse 1 and 2, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if anyone do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. And so then you gently remind him of his duty as husband and father. 
You are patient and bear with his shortcomings. You encourage him and you even teach him how to lead. But one thing you do not do is to take over his role because that goes against God's word. However, the Lord God does not want you to obey any human institution, including your husband, if he makes you do something which goes against the word. If he forbids you, for example, to go to church or to bring up your children in the fear of the Lord. If he wants you to lie for him or to cheat for him or to support his unchristian lifestyle. And then the Lord God does not expect you to be obedient to him in those things. Ultimately, you are obedient to God rather than man. God blesses our obedience. We do not have to cater to the views of the world concerning marriage, brothers and sisters. The marriages around us in this world are in a mess. In this church, we have, by and large, stable marriages. Oh, sure, they're far from perfect. And we have nothing to boast of of ourselves. But what we can boast of is that God is blessing us. And he will continue to do that if we submit ourselves to his word. He is blessing blessing us as members here of this church. And God shows us how relationships are maintained and restored in Christ. Our most important relationship is with our Lord and Savior. And from that relationship, all other human relationships are determined. And so, brothers and sisters, let us continue to submit. Let us submit, first of all, to God's word. And if we do that, then we will also submit to each other in the way that God has described. Amen.